0: a parent night out, and all the parents said, amen. Whoa. Let's try that again. All the parents said, forget it. It's not happening. Forget it. That's right. Joe and Amy, you guys are signed up, right? So are we. We should do something. That'd be fun. It's going to be fun. The kids have a blast. The kids... Uh, you know, they do, it's like they don't even realize the parents are gone. And uh, but parents, uh, we give you that opportunity uh, every so often, and, and we want you to take advantage of that. And then the last announcement I have is that today is the last day to sign up for our marriage retreat, which is just a couple weeks away. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, come and contact me. Um, but we do need you to sign up in the lobby, and uh, so we can do uh, so we can know how that is going. Leon, I want you to stand for a second, and we're going to pray for you here. Uh, Leon is heading off to combat training this Tuesday. He finished and uh, went through basics, and, uh, with, uh, and he, he's alive and well and looking better than ever. Um, his mom is here. We kind of mentioned that. And uh, Leon, we just want to take a second here before we you know, go on with the message or even receive an offering uh, to pray for you and uh, he needs our prayers, and not only right now, but we need to remember him in prayer and for his family, and uh, we appreciate you serving our country. You are a hero, and uh, you're giving of your life, and uh, I know there's benefits, but I'll tell you, I'm not sure the benefits outweigh w- what you give, and there's a lot of sacrifice, and so um, if you would, if you know Leon, uh, let's just uh, surround him, and, uh, and I'm going to ask, uh, let's see, who would like to pray? Jonathan, would you mind praying for Leon um, this morning? And uh, let's, let's pray for Leon. Sorry, I grabbed There we go. Let's pray for him. There you go.
1: Father God, we thank you, first of all, for, for who you are. God, we give you glory for all things, because this whole world belongs to you. Everything that's being created, God, this country, that we all love so much the freedoms that we have here, God, we have because of people like this. God, so we ask that your hand of protection would be upon him. God, that your glory would go before him. You would prepare his path, make it straight. God, that your hedge of protection would be around him and that he would defend you in this country and the freedoms that we have to send missionaries abroad. God, this country is great because it sins. God, so we ask that your hand be upon him in always, God, and give comfort to his family in, in everything that he does. Know that your hand is upon him, God, and that they can trust you with their son and with their brother. We give you all glory and all praise for all things. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. And I'm not sure what that rifle expert means, but we'll just give a quick warning. Just beware of Leon. All right. All right. That's, a, yeah, don't take his parking space. There you go. Awesome. Man, And we are, we're thrilled. Ushers, why don't you come at this point? We're going to receive our morning uh, tithes and offerings. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Uh, as uh, many of you committed a couple weeks ago, uh, you committed to tithe, to give the first ten percent of your income from now till Easter, testing God, taking that Malachi three principle and taking it to heart. And I'll tell you, the devil he doesn't want you to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, but there's so much that we could talk about. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and uh, and so. Uh, Lord, bless you as you give this morning. Father, bless our offering. Lord, uh, bless each person that gives, each person that sacrifices. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give this morning. To
2: fear and grace, my fears really. uh,
0: Thank you for your faithfulness again, and uh, thank you, ushers, for your service this morning as well. All right, well, I'm excited for this morning. Um, I believe that God has got a word for many of us, um, and I believe that Cindy has a word as well. Not from, Not from the Lord. Yes, from the Lord. I forgot that we talked about you coming up and. That is my fault, and uh, yes, this is very, very important. Before we get to the word, yes, <laughs> um, I <have> a word. <laughs> we've got an important message about growth and about yes. multiplication, and so I'll let you take it over. Next
1: Sunday,
3: is this even on? I probably don't need it. Just ask my husband. I project well. No. <laughs> Come on. Next Sunday after church, yes. um, for those of you that are interested at all to... Um, help out in the nursery or the preschool class. We're gonna do a really brief, like 10-minute informational meeting. Um, The kids program is growing. We would love to have um, just a couple more volunteers. You can do it once a month. Um, We have options for you to do it like on the fifth Sunday of the month, which is really four times a year. If you have a desire at all to help with the kids program, if you're new to the church, you've been here for a while, or you're just looking for an area to get plugged in, Please come. We'll meet in um, the preschool class right after church. Maybe I'll have Valentine treats for you. Ooh. Come for chocolate.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Um, yeah. i there.
3: <laughs> Only if you're willing to go back there, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, just come. We would Thank love God. to have a couple more people um, to pull from and to just have some people back there. And um, anyway, so if you have any questions, come see me or just come next Sunday after church and we will get you some information.
0: Very good. And it is a blessing to... Uh, work with the kids. I was a kids pastor for eight and a half years before coming here to the Gateway Church, and uh, part of me, you know, when I think of, of uh, you know, that, you uh, circumstance you know preschool nursery or even elementary uh, my heart is there a couple well we did an upper room this last Friday night the previous upper room Jessica and I we said we'll take the nursery and it was a blast and it is a lot of fun and you do get an opportunity to get to know families uh, through their kids and uh, that's pretty exciting but this morning like I was saying before I was so wonderfully interrupted right um, we are talking through, or we started a series two weeks ago called The Decade of Destiny, and I know we have some guests that are here, uh, some second-time guests that were here just last week, um, and I just want to uh, let you know that we as a church are celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year for 2011, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> And uh, and out of that idea is that we want to not only, you know, praise God for the 10 years that are behind us or that will be behind us by the end of the year, but we also want to look forward to the next 10 years, and not only as a church, but individually, that we would be taking a look at our lives. And so we started our first Sunday two weeks ago now, because last week was missions, and we said that we had the choice to live a blessed life. And what we said a blessed life looks like, it's where God takes what we naturally have and he multiplies it to make it sufficient to meet all of our needs. And the perfect story in in God's word, and we didn't really talk about this, but it's the story of the five loaves and two fish, right? All right, so God took, Jesus took what the boy had, he multiplied it and it made it sufficient to meet all the needs to feed 5,000 people. And I believe God wants to bless your life in an incredible way these next 10 years, taking what you have, multiplying it, and making it sufficient. But we said, we kind of focused on the promises of God, and we said there were six promises um, that we kind of focused on, and every promise had a premise. And we did just real quick, the, the things that will bless your life is if, number one, you spend time daily with God. Second, if you study His Word. Third was if you tithe and give your first fruits. And just let me, uh, you know, we we are um, at as a church um, preparing for the annual business meeting, which is a month from today, March sixth. And uh, um, our treasurer uh, has given me some reports, and will be continuing to give me some reports when it comes to tithing and and uh, of giving. Um, I just want to challenge you um, that it is so critical that we, as a church, uh, do this together. And, uh, and uh, we're going to have some specifics in the next few weeks, um, just giving some reports, um, not to you know, make anyone feel bad, but we want to come alongside you and encourage you that this is a, something that will bless your life, um, hands down. And so, so we talked about tithing. The, the, third, or the fourth thing was that we wanted to help others in need. Uh, Fifth was that we would share the good news. And as we do that, we will be blessed. And then the sixth thing was to participate in fellowship. And we're excited starting next week, we're going to kind of start unfolding uh, an idea for some small groups for us to connect um, on a regular basis. And if we do these things, we will be blessed individually and as a church. Well, today we're going to talk about getting where you want to be. We're gonna talk about goals for decade of destiny for the next 10 years. And I was reading this week that goals are a lot like light. And if you look up to the ceiling, we got a couple of lights on here. Lights without focus have very little power to them. They, they have purpose and it you know, sheds light so you guys can read and you guys can see um, and, uh, and so we don't you know, stumble over each other. But once you focus light, some incredible things happen. How many of you as kids took a magnifying glass ever and tried to burn ants or other bugs? Yes, some of you sick people. Yeah. No, I did too. But you bring focus through a magnifying glass and you can burn an ant if you can keep it you know, in the light where that focus is. You focus that light even more and it can cut through steel. And light, when it's focused and laser sharp, can actually kill things kill cancer and kill other things and it's used in surgery it's powerful and i would say this that the more focus we bring to our lives the more impact we will have in our health in our wealth in our careers the more focus in our family the more focus for our time our dreams our vision and as your pastor i want i want you to know that my heart for you is i love you i am committed to your success and the idea of getting what you want is important to me and what you want to be. And so we will, we'll start tonight or this morning, it starts with setting goals. And I want just to, you know, as I stand before you, I am learning. I am growing in this area of my life. I'm challenged by this. I read this week that uh, only 5% of Americans have written goals. And so I understand that not very many people even do what we're talking about, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's a great story in Genesis chapter 24, and I want you to turn with me in God's Word. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to challenge you to just hop up. We've got uh, Bibles on the back tables, and, uh, and you can grab one, and so you can kind of follow along. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 24 this morning in particular. It's a classic chapter on having a dream, having visions, having goals and seeing those things accomplished. Before we read from Genesis chapter 24, let me give you a little background here about this story. Some of you are familiar with this. It might be a brand new story for others of you. Abraham uh, is um, the father. uh, Father Abraham had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. Well, anyway, he had a son late in life, as you know, as you may know. Uh, He was 100 years old, his wife was 90 when she gave birth. How many ladies would look forward to that at 90 years old? That would be crazy. But God had given Abraham a promise in Genesis chapter 12 that his offspring would be a great nation. Now that was 60 plus years earlier, and now uh, Isaac uh, had been born late in their life, God had tested Abraham, and uh, he had taken him up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice his son, and he believed that if he did take his son's life, that God would raise him back up again, and uh, just an incredible story there. But now, chapter 24, the previous chapter, Sarah, his wife, had died. What's interesting is that Sarah did not see the promise fulfilled for her life, for their life. And Abraham, he's saying, wait, I'm getting old here. And so we, the story here that we'll see is that Abraham sends his most trusted servant, Eleazar, back to Iraq, where Abraham was from, to get his son a wife. You say, well, how in the world will this apply to my life, right? You know, I mean, you know, we don't do that. There, are there any, is there anyone here that uh, had an arranged marriage or will have an arranged marriage? No. No. Yes. Okay. Maybe. If you're so lucky. No, I didn't say deranged. Is that what you said? No, I said he already has it. Oh, he has it arranged in his mind. Okay, I gotcha. But anyway, keep me on track, right? There are nine things that Eleazar does in Genesis chapter 24 that we're going to look at, and we'll move through those, you know, fairly quickly that you need to do to fulfill the goals and the dreams that God has put on your heart. And I really encourage you to take some notes today. Uh, We're going to put some things on the screen. But to reach a dream, uh, to reach your vision, for that to become a reality, for the next 10 years of your life to be the best 10 years of your life, for those 10 years to be blessed, I believe that there are nine things that Eliezer does and uh, that we need to do uh, personally, and even as a church, and we are doing those things. The first thing is this, and we'll just jump right in. The first thing is that we need to determine our present position. You need to know where you are today. And not just you know in the seat that you are, but where you are as a whole. And look at verse 1, Genesis 24, verse 1. It says, "...now Abraham was now old and well advanced in years." 115 years old, in fact, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Abraham was a blessed man, and God had done a lot of incredible things through his life, but he was old. He understood where he was, and he understood the time for him was running out. And so Abraham created a system, uh, a plan, and we're going to see that. And I just want you to know that wherever you are, no matter how old you may think you are, never stop dreaming. Never stop believing God for goals and for vision to just well up within you. Now, if you get to 115, then maybe you can stop. But there's no precedence in the Bible that really says to stop. And so this is a message for the young and uh, for those that are in school still, to the oldest that is here, and we won't point out who that is. But like Abraham, we better set a goal or two. And so we need to determine, first of all, where we are today. Know your present position. Number two, we need to describe exactly what you want. Describe exactly what you want. Do not be vague. Be specific. And understand what you want and what you don't want. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, well, this is, let's read number 2 because this is just weird and kind of fun. Uh, so well, let's we'll start in verse 1. Abraham was not old while well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He had a chief servant, one of his most trusted servants, Eliezer, we'll find his name is, in his household. The one he had put in charge of all he had. And he says to him, put your hand under my thigh. (laughs) How about that? And then he says this, verse 3. He says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. But instead, you will go to my country of my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Now, this is important. Abraham, as he's putting, having his you know, trusted servant put his you know, hand under his thigh, wouldn't that be fun if we did that these days, as, you know, to swear an no, oath to do things like that? Anybody want to you know, do a quick example of what that would look like? <laughs> no volunteers. Okay. Chickens. All right. And he says, he says, he paints a very clear picture for Eleazar. What he wanted, but what he also did not want. And if if we're going to achieve our goals, if we're going to start to do these things, we need to understand what we desire in our hearts and in our lives. You will never reach a vague goal. I read this week, and I love this quote, that nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And so, church, we need to have these specific goals, these things, know exactly where we want to be. And there's four questions that are related to this. What do I want to be? What do I want to be in 10 years? The second question is, what do I want to do in the next 10 years? Number three is, what do I want to have? And so there's these questions that kind of come. I want to grow spiritually, or I want a new job, or I want to be married, or I want to you know this or that. You fill in the blank. But the number four question is so important. Why do I want it? Because the why speaks to what, what we value individually. We understand that the why is so important, and the Eleazar knew this. And he understood the why. And I'll tell you this, that many people will write out, I want to be this, or I want to do this, or I want to have this. You fill in the blank, but they miss the why. And What happens is that people in the battle, in the day-to-day, they give up way too easy. They give up way too easy. They're governed by their feelings. How many of you have ever heard the term PMS before? Anybody heard of that? All right, some of the guys are raising their hands in the back. That's good. Well, I'm not talking about you know, what happens you know, for, in some families. This happens in pastors, families only. It's called post-message syndrome. That As pastors that speak, this happens to most pastors, Monday comes and there's this feeling like you want to quit <laughs> and give up. And if I was governed by my feelings, you know, I wouldn't be here today, okay? And many of you wouldn't be either. But so people give up way too quick, and so we've got to know the why. We also, once we figure out the why, I believe that God will show us how to accomplish what he has for us. And the great example in my life has been in missions trips. When God has called me to be a part of a missions trip, and there's a compelling reason why God wants me to be on a missions trip, and I've been on dozens, uh, well not maybe not dozens, at least a dozen missions trips in my life. When God calls me to do that, He shows me how that will happen. And I've encouraged many of you, and I know many of you are praying about being a part of the Dominican Republic trip coming in June. And we're just a few days away. By the 15th of this month we need, is the deadline for our first deposit. And I would just say to those that are considering or those that might this for the first time be thinking, oh, I'd like to do that. Listen, guys, is that if God calls you to do it, he will show you how to raise the money because the why clarifies our lives. And the why for Eleazar was pretty clear. It, he was motivated that, sure, Isaac would get a wife, Abraham would be pleased with him, his, you know, his boss. God's purpose would be fulfilled. But we also find out later that Eleazar would get a reward. And so it was pretty clear why Eleazar would move forward with these, with these goals. And we can look at Eleazar and what he did. But what's interesting is that the why led to some what ifs. Look at verse 5 in um, Genesis 24. It says the servant, Eleazar, asked him, says, now what if... The woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land. Shall I then take your son back to the country where you came from? He said, What if it doesn't work out? What if? And that leads to step number three. Step number three is that we need to find a promise a promise to help our vision, our dreams, our goals as I mentioned last week, there are over 7,000 promises in God's Word that are like blank checks for us. Promises of security, of safety, of provision. There are promises of prosperity and of success and stability. There are promises of strength and wisdom. Blank checks. And you say, well, why does God give us these promises? Well, He gives us these promises so we can trust in Him that we can put our faith in him and we can lean on him heavenly. And I'll tell you this, for the decade of destiny, we need to find a promise that will lead us and in you, in your circumstances, will lead to confidence. And what happens here is that God, uh, Abraham is, reminds Eleazar of a promise that he had. Let's look at verse 7. Uh, Well, let's start at at verse 6. It says, Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. And in verse 7, he says, The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and, and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send an angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. Now, some of you might be thinking, Wow! If, if God would send an angel to go with me, before me, and behind me, and around me, I would have all kinds of confidence. Well, how many would say, yeah, there'd be confidence, I, I would be bold to do what God told me to do, right? Well, we were talking about this at our board meeting this, just this last, uh, this last week. What's interesting is that God, yeah, there are angels, and we understand that angels are, you know, protect us, and God, God sends angels uh, for different purposes, But we have one better than that. God, one of his promises is that he will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you. So you look to God's word and say, okay, what promise can I claim? And I'll tell you the promise that has resonated in my spirit over the last last couple months. It's the promise of wisdom. The promise of wisdom that if we were to ask for wisdom, God would give it. He would give it abundantly. He would he would surround me with wisdom. And God has done that through the board and through other trusted advisors. And as we kind of have moved forward as a church as we continue to grow, God is giving wisdom um, to us as a body, which is pretty incredible. The fourth thing is this: is that if we're going to accomplish our goals, if we're going to get to where we want to be, we need to ask God for help. And I love what Eliezer does. In verse number twelve, and actually in verse twelve and in verse fifteen, verse fifty-two, we see Eleazar many times going to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, and over the next year, ten years, uh, could we pray? Could we ask God for success? You say, well, can you ask God to be successful? Well, what's the opposite? That you're going to ask God to be a failure? I don't think so. And so, yes, we can ask God for success. And the success is for God's honor, for his glory. And I would say this, like Eliezer, you read these scriptures, he prayed. He got on his face before the Lord. And are you doing that concerning your goals? Are you praying about your goals? Because I believe our prayers reveal how serious we are in these things or if it's just a whim, just an idea that comes and, and passes. Instead, I believe that God, when He puts something deep in our heart, that we need to come to Him over and over and let God just saturate us with His presence. We don't just pray once, but the deep, deep desires of our heart need to be depended. We need to depend on God. And as I mentioned just a second ago, as our church We've kind of identified that we're at a crossroads as a church, and we're going to talk a little bit about that at our annual business meeting on March 6th. If you didn't get that, I'll say it again, March 6th. It's going to be a great night, a Sunday night, that we're going to come and we're going to talk about our future, and we're going to look forward to what God has. But you know what? It takes prayer. And as we came into this year, I've, um, I was asking the Lord as far as Wednesday nights, uh, typically we would do some Bible study or, or some, you know, we've, we looked at marriage stuff or finances or we looked at, on evangelism. And we did these little, little um, these, these uh, studies. But as we came into this year, and I haven't talked a lot about this, the only thing that God impressed on my heart is that we needed to pray. We needed to pray. And I just want to personally invite you guys to to come on Wednesday nights and pray. We pray from 6:30 to 7:45, an hour and 15 minutes. We pray individually, then we pray corporally, and we need this church for what if we're going to accomplish what God has for us, we need to lay these things before the Lord. We need to pray. God, we need your help. I love what Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. If you want to flip there with me real quick, listen to what it says. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive his mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I'll just say again, you must be praying about your goals, about your future. Let God just saturate you. Don't forget to pray. So we have have these things. We're asking God for help. As we back up, we, we, uh, we talk about uh, finding a promise uh, in God's word. We, we th- write out exactly what we want. We write it down, and then we determine our current position. Well, number five is this, that at this point, we can identify the barriers in our lives. And for many of us, this is a natural thing for us. In fact, many of us, when we have a goal or we have a dream, that's the first thing we do is we identify the barriers. But I want you to notice out of nine things that we're going to talk about, this is kind of the, the, the crest. It's, it's halfway through that Eliezer at this point is identifying some, some uh, barriers. And you, as you think about your life in about the next 10 years, why don't you have it already, what you desire? Why are you not who you want to be already? What are the problems? What are the barriers? And they can be fit into all kinds of categories. They can be relational barriers. They can be financial barriers, educational barriers, emotional barriers, the idea that we don't feel like whatever or we don't deserve something. Well, Eleazar, his barriers were almost uh, impossible. In fact, I would say that Eleazar's um, uh, his the the purpose or the plan that they had seemed impossible, and I want you to turn back with me to Genesis chapter twenty four, and I'm going to just ask all of the single men, young men and old men together to stand here just for a second, because I want you to uh, just to get a picture of what this uh, what what Eliezer had to do. All right, we got some single guys here, so some single guys here. All right, fantastic, good. Now listen to this, single guys. This is the rest of you can just. Yeah, stand up. Otherwise, I'm going to make you read them. No, just kidding. Now, listen, guys. Single guys. The plan that Abraham had for Eleazar was, first of all, to go to a country that he had never been to. You're saying, okay, not a big deal, right? How many of you guys like adventure? You like to go places, right? Yeah, most of you do, all right? Single guys, they thrive on that, they live off that. But listen, in verse 24, he has to find the right right woman to marry Isaac. How many would say that can be a challenge, right? As you think about your future and think about what God might have, I know, I remember as a young man thinking, okay, God, that is not an easy thing to discern, to find the will of God. But it goes even further. He's got to go to this country, meet a girl he's never met, and then convince that girl to go with him. Verse 58, pretty interesting. Listen, verse 58 says, so they called Rebecca and asked her, now will you go with this man? Now guys, some of you are more bold than others, but how many of you can imagine going to a country you've never been to, right? All right, and I'll, I'll make you sit down in here just a second. Go to a country you've never been to, find a girl you've never met, and then walk up to her and say, hey, baby, <laughs> you want to come home with me? <laughs> just try it today. You just say, yeah, that sounds good, right? Just try it today. Just go to the mall. You don't even have to leave the city. Just sit in the, in the kiosk, watch, let God put someone on your heart, and go up to them and say, hey, baby. <laughs> All right, but then it gets worse, okay? So he gets the yes from the girl, okay, in verse 59, but then he's got to get his parents or her parents' consent. You can sit down. I just want you to know it was mission impossible for Eleazar. He had some real barriers in front of him. And the fact is is that as we approach the things that God puts on our hearts, there will, and maybe there are already barriers in the way that we have to get over. And we have to get through, and we get through those with God's help. But I would want to encourage us that we would write down these barriers. And I just want to say this, that some people would say, well, you just got to have faith. Well, faith does does not deny reality. There are tough times. There are things that will stand in our way between where we are today, okay, if we're here, and we want to go here. There are things along the way for each of us as a church, as individuals, Whether you're single or whether you're married, it doesn't matter. Faith does not deny reality, and we need to understand that there are these things. So we need to identify those things. Number six. Next, we need to create a step-by-step plan. Eleazar, uh, let's look at uh, verse 10. Verse 10, he starts with his plan. He says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out from Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well beside the town. It was toward the evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. Look at verse 14. It says here, he says, May it be, and he's talking to God, he says, May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she would say, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. As we read those few verses, I want you to see that there's a step-by-step progression here for Eleazar. What is he doing here? What is he doing? He's looking for a woman of character. And I'm just going to, since I picked on the guys, I'm going to pick on the girls here for a second. Single ladies. I'm not going to have you stand. You know who you are. Single ladies. Equal opportunity. Should we have them stand? No, we're not going to do that. Ladies. You need you need to be a woman of character. I can't say that with a strong enough conviction in my heart. Eliezer was looking for someone that was kind, that was generous, that was servant-hearted, that was willing to go the extra mile, and I don't even want to know who just said that's me because they're so full of... No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm not sure someone said, that's me. But listen, to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'll get you a drink. But listen, we know that he had 10 camels. And if, if each camel, we know the camels drink a lot. Let's just say, for example, that each camel, to feed or to drink a, drink a camel, to whatever, to water a camel. Let's say it took five, five trips to the well. Okay, for each camel i mean i I can imagine a camel drinking five things of water right so times 10 that's 50 trips back and forth we're not talking about just the ordinary hey let me get you a drink this is a girl that was generous that was very servant-hearted and you know what's interesting is that eliezer's plan that god had put in his heart it worked and i love this girls girls uh ladies listen to this she was rewarded. Listen, in verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, Eleazar, the man, took out a gold nose ring and gave it to her. How about that? I see some nose rings in here. And maybe if it was today, maybe he would have given her a tattoo or maybe you know something different. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but he gave her a very valuable gift, a gold nose ring. It says weighing, weighing, a Becca, and I don't know what that weighs, and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. She was blessed just by being a servant. And I'll say, ladies, you will be blessed if you have a servant's heart, if you are a woman of character. Amen? Amen. Now, I know what you're saying. Create a step-by-step plan, identify these barriers, all these things. You're saying, this is hard. This is a lot of work. I mentioned this, uh, this study earlier that 5% of, America, of Americans have written goals. Well, I just didn't make that up. It actually comes from a, a recent study that Harvard did, the uh, Harvard Business School, that 95% of Americans have no written goals. And what's interesting is they studied the 5% of those that did have written goals in their lives. The 5% were among the highest wage earners in america do you think there's a correlation here absolutely and now i understand and i want you to understand that you don't have to do this you do not have to write down a step-by-step plan statistically you won't do it we probably have a little over 100 adults and uh, teenagers here maybe a little more than that five out of 100 have a written plan I pray that that's not the case here. I hope more than 5% will. I hope my encouragement is that more of you will write down a plan for your life. But if you don't, in the next 10 years, I can guarantee that you'll just drift. That your destiny will be determined by others. God's word says, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And then it says, choose life. You have a choice today. Each of us has a choice to make th- these things clear. Write them out. I've done this um, before I was married. I had a small list of things that I wanted to accomplish, and I wrote them out and I put them on my mirror in my room. And by God's grace, I was able to accomplish those things before I was married. And I got married young. I was 19. We've done that at different times in our lives. I've got in my office a list of 50 things I would like to do before. I croak, <laughs> or before the Lord would take me. And already I've, I've accomplished many of those things, and we're making our way through that. Goals, objectives, things that are, are important to me. And I just want to encourage you, you will be ahead of 95% of Americans if you just write out a few goals. And I know it's not easy, it's not, hard, or it's not um, natural, but do it. Young people, If you're 21 and under this morning, listen, what I'm talking about is not just for adults. Write out a plan. Write out the things that God would put on your heart and believe for those things to happen. So after you write out a step-by-step plan, now listen to this. The next one is very difficult. Number seven is be patient and persistent. Our goals most of the time do not happen overnight. In fact, the bigger the goal, the longer it will take to fulfill. It takes time and discipline. It's interesting in uh, Genesis chapter 24 here, we watch Eleazar. First of all, we look at verse 21. It says here, "...without seeing a word, the, the man, Eleazar, watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful." When she started watering those camels, can you imagine how excited Eleazar must have been? Oh, the first girl I ask, and she's doing, oh man, God, part of me, if I was Eleazar in his shoes, I would have been you know, going up and starting to talk to her and be like, hey, did you know this is what God put on my heart and all these things, right? But he was patient, and he watched without saying a word. And then, he does finally say, hey, you know, what, where are you from? Who's your house or who's your parents? The, the girl ran home, told her mother, and listen to the patience that Eliezer had, starting in verse 32. So the man went to the house. So he, he came there and the camels were unloaded. So it took time. After this long journey Eliezer had made to, to the well, he waited there and now they're at their home and the camels were unloaded. Straw and the fodder were brought to the camels and watered for him and his men, were, uh, men washed their feet. But then verse 33 is so interesting. It says, then food was set before him. The food was set right before him. But he said, look, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Wow. I'm not sure I would have had that kind of willpower. A feast right in front of me and say, wait, I'm not going to eat before I share. And he lays out the plan. And that just kind of speaks to me about delayed gratification, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I can struggle with that. And I, as most Americans that are in debt, uh, they, you, we, we can struggle with delayed gratification. But you know what? Eliezer was patient. He was persistent, and he watched the Lord, or he watched um, uh, what God was doing at that moment in his life. It's interesting. Habakkuk chapter two, uh, verse three. It's. It's interesting as the prophet is sharing with Israel the Lord's answer. The Lord replied, he said, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that, that, it may, uh, so that a herald may run with it. You, you're familiar with that. Write down the vision, make it clear so others can run with it. But then he says, for the revelation or the vision awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. And then it, listen to what it says. It says, though it may linger... Wait for it. Patience. It will certainly come and will not delay. In the next 10 years, if God were to put some big things in your heart individually, some goals, you're here, you want to be here, it's going to take some patience and some persistence And I'll tell you this, that if we are patient, I believe God blesses that. Why does it take so long? Well, I think a couple reasons. First of all, I believe that God is more interested in what you are than what you do. I think that God is more interested in your character than he is your career or fill in the blank. The fact of the matter is, is that none of us can take our cars, our cash, our clothes, our fine china, you fill in the blank, whatever's important to you. You can't take it to heaven. And what God's interested is in our character. What do I want to be, to be in the next 10 years? It is super important. Patience, persistence. God is doing a work in our hearts. And sometimes when it seems like it's taking forever or it seems like it will never happen, it's in those moments many times when you're at the end of your rope where God, He moves in a powerful way. Number eight, if you're going to end up where you want to be, you need to enlist a team for support. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. I like that. I like also what Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, verse 20 says, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. The idea is that together we are stronger than if we are by ourselves. If you want to go fast, have you ever heard this? Go by yourself. (laughs) But if you want to go far, go with others. And Eliezer certainly does this. He gets the parents involved. He gets his servants involved. He gets the family involved, the relatives, all the way around. And if you are going to achieve the things that God has put in your heart, you need a team of people around us, you. And I need that. And we need that as a church. And that leads me to, to number nine. This is so important. If we are going to get to where we want to be, you must pay the price. There is a price tag for your dream. How many are excited for the Super Bowl today? Wow. Yeah, yeah, many of you guys, yes. I see we got a Steelers fan here. We also have some Packers fans back here. And we're not going to take a <laughs> vote this morning. <laughs> what in the world is that? Does anybody know who what coach won the first, the very first Super Bowl? Vince Lombardi, right? Well, this week, from what I understand on cable TV, um, some friends of mine on Thursday night were talking about this. They did a document, a documentary. I guess they did a movie too, but he, they were watching this documentary. I can't say that. But anyway, about Vince Lombardi and about the price that he had to pay to be the coach that he was. And what was interesting is he paid a high price. The guys and I, as we were t- sitting around the table at Applebee's, we were talking about it a little bit. It's interesting how God works spiritual things into k- conversations when you're open to it. But we were talking about the, the fact that he sacrificed a whole lot. His life was not easy. There were a lot of ups and downs. And what was interesting, the sad part was that his family suffered a whole lot for him to be the coach that he was. His players loved him. His family resented. And in this documentary, they, they talked a little bit about that. But what's interesting, for us to reach our goals, we will have to give some things up. And sometimes it's worth it, and sometimes it's not. We can all identify people, maybe like Vince Lombardi. You, In fact, I bet if you're watching the Super Bowl today, at some point, that name will come up. And I want you to think about the price that he had to pay. And sometimes people will pay or give or uh, to give up, they'll give up their health or they'll give up their family. Others will give up integrity. You fill in the blank. And sometimes it's not worth it to get ahead. You think about sports. You think about business, school, getting good grades, relationships. You think about marriage. For those things to succeed... For you to be great at what you do, there's things, there's sacrifice that needs to be made. And what's interesting is that sometimes it's worth it, sometimes it's not. But you have to pay the price. And Let me just put a little plug in for our marriage retreat. Today's the last day. I know I already mentioned that. But sometimes, couples, you got to pay the price. Get away for a weekend in order to see your marriage continue to be great or to, to work on each of those things. We've got to pay the price. And What's interesting is Eleazar, he paid the price. When you look at Genesis chapter 24, verse 53, he paid greatly. In fact, he was pretty smart. Not only did he pay the price, um, he gave some things to, uh, uh, to Rebekah. But listen, um, in verse 53, it says this, if I can find it. It says, "'Then the servant brought out gold.'" And silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He paid a price. He also gave costly gifts to her brothers. He's a smart man. Get his brothers on his side. And to his mother. How about that? Then he and the men who were with him, they ate and drank and spent the night there. Eleazar was ready and willing to pay whatever it cost to win the affection of Rebekah. And I'll tell you this, great goals require sacrifice. Sacrifice time, sacrifice money, sacrifice energy, sometimes to sacrifice a reputation. And great goals are not always convenient to see followed through. They cannot be done in, uh, in our spare time. And over this next 10 years, if you consider a decade of destiny, it will require a price not a dollar sign price but it will require our time and so we need to identify what will it cost the things that we do what am i willing to give and then answer the question am i willing to do it is it worth it this morning we're talking about getting where we want to be in the next 10 years of our lives if I could force you to stay in the sanctuary today until you did an exercise where you went through each of these nine things, if I could do that, I would because I care about you guys. The fact is, is that most of you will probably walk out and say, wow, that, that was a good message and, and boy, that... You know, that maybe stirred something inside me or maybe you say that's not such a good message. I don't know. What is he talking about? I'm not sure. But listen, the fact is, is most of you are not going to pay the price to see the things that God has for you. And I understand that. But for those of you that are serious about getting to where you want to be, In the next 10 years? Young people, old people, (laughs) in between? Would you consider these nine things to determine where you are, to determine where you'd like to go, to ask God for help, to find a promise, to identify the barriers? To make a step-by-step plan to be patient and persistent, to get a team, and know all along it's going to require a price. And would you, this morning, talk to God about those things? And ask Him what He would desire in your life? I want everyone that has a Bible to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16 Proverbs 16. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, really. I quote it a lot. Proverbs 16. It really, verse 3 is where I want to focus, but let's start in verse 2. It says, All of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Just a quick thought on motives. Uh, other places in the Bible says that the motives of a man are hard to, to judge. And so we, you know, it, even for ourselves, we, it's hard to say, okay, well, why? You know, to answer that, why? But then it says this in verse three, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. What we're talking about this morning is about committing our ways to the Lord. And there's nine things that Eliezer did that I believe that if you do, it'll bless you. Just fast forward 10 years. If you're 18, you'll be 28. If you're 13, you'll be 23. (laughs) You put in your own numbers. 10 years seems like a long way away in some respects, doesn't it? If it flies by. My daughter's 11 years old. Seems like just yesterday we were married. <laughs> by the way, this year we're celebrating 15 years of marriage. Yeah. So happy to you can eat. This is not easy, it's a lot of work to bring the kind of focus the laser-type focus into our lives that is necessary to achieve the things God has for us. It takes a great price. And I want to pray for you this morning. And I want us to spend a little bit of time asking God what His plan might be for us. And I want to encourage you to find something to write on and maybe even tackle some of these steps before we leave. But before we do that, like we always do, we want to make sure that the first thing, if you're going to succeed in the next 10 years, you need a relationship with Jesus. And I would be remiss to not mention that. And so this morning, if you're here and you are away from the Lord, if you've been away from God, or you've never had a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says He desires that relationship with you. His desire is that no one, no one would perish, that but everyone would have everlasting life. That's his plan for you. But we are not robots. We don't just go through life and whatever God does, he pulls the strings. We're not puppets, right? We have a free will, and you have to choose. And again, the Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua in the Old Testament said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? And today I want to give you that opportunity. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, please. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you were to um, not make it till tomorrow, whether your health failed or there was an accident, if you did not know Jesus, and if you are not certain that you would make it to heaven, Would you respond to your heavenly father this morning and say yes to him? Is there anyone here today that would be in that circumstance? Say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, thanks. Who else this morning would say, yeah, that's me? Save me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Make it clean. Anyone else? We have one young man that's responded. We won't embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. Who this morning would say, that's me. I want to get my heart right with the Lord. Maybe at one point you were more committed than you are today. Anyone else? Okay. Let's be an encouragement to this one that raises hands. Would you repeat a prayer after me, everyone that's here? And maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you, but it's believing these words. And so if you believe these things as you say them, uh, the Lord says that He'll save you. But just repeat after me, everyone that's here. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. For me, you are my salvation. And today I put my hope in you. Save me. Clean up my heart. And Lord, from this moment forward, help me to live for you. And I'll give you the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. I want everyone to stand this morning. If you are serious this morning about getting where you want to be, would you spend a moment or two in God's presence? And I don't want to manipulate anyone to come forward or to twist your arm. And I understand that some of you have plans that you need to get to, and that's okay. But as I talked to Melissa earlier, I said, I want to create an opportunity for people to talk to God about what He has for them. And I encourage you to grab a piece of paper, grab the back of a bulletin, grab something, grab a pen. Underneath your chairs, there's pens. And maybe start talking. They're writing down where you are today, where you'd like to go, Find a promise in God's word. Take your Bible and say, God, show me your word. Show me a promise. Ask God for help. Pray about it. Then start to identify maybe some barriers and then create a step-by-step plan. Knowing all along, it's going to take patience and persistence. You'll need a team around you. And ultimately, it takes a high price to fulfill what God has if you're serious about that, would you spend a moment or two in prayer? You may want to come and spend some time at the altar. You may want to turn around at your seat. But before you go, would you spend a little time asking God to help with Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord this morning. Let me pray. Lord, I pray for each person here, young and old, Lord, no matter what their past has been like, no matter where they're headed today, Lord, I pray that we would consider the next 10 years of our lives, the plans that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to discern your will. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you move? Find a spot and pray. If you need to go, this is our official dismissal. But I want to encourage you, before you go, spend some time with the Lord this morning.